unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. of this world and that we will worship you in accordance with your will. We pray that our worship will be acceptable to you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That is the wrong slide. Should be dated 719. First song, I believe, is number 647 in the books. Be soldiers of Christ arise will be the first song. There we go, 647. That says a sweet, sweet spirit. Oh, I was doing some copying and pasting. I knew something went awry, but it's 647. 647 in your books. And Like an old quote from a guy I used to work with, technology is great when it works. So. If it's convenient, since this is a stand-up song, let's, uh, I invite you all to stand as we sing this song.
Lord, thank you for another opportunity that you've given us this morning to gather here together and worship you and um, spend time in your word. I ask that as we leave here, we may take what's said this morning and be able to use it and apply it in our lives, God. Um, I ask that you be with us through these trying times because we know that there are many difficulties and we're facing as a community and as a nation and just ask that you set up the best things possible to come about from all these situations, Lord, and help our leaders to make the decisions that are best for us. So I ask you, please, with our military also that protects us and just um, thank you for a wonderful congregation you blessed us with and so thank you for a wonderful place we have here to live because we know we have it so much better than many other places around the world, Lord. And just ask that help us to remember that we always need to try to keep you first in our minds and our hearts and uh, put you above all else. And just thank you for your son who died on cross and missed for our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Number 625 is the song. And for those that are using your books, number 907 would be the Song of Invitation.
I'll be reading to you today from Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Good morning. I join with Tommy and welcoming our visitors today. I know we've got several in the audience. I, I mean, Janita and I are really excited to see Joyce and Ralph here. It's just wonderful when you have relatives and fellow Christians show up unexpectedly. I know that uh, the Lord is uh, blessing us. Uh, when I think about our theme for the year, for I know the plans I have for you. You know, isn't it wonderful that the Lord has plans for us and plans for our welfare and, and not evil and for us to have a future with hope? You know, how the providence of God is a wonderful thing. And we can look back and see the providence of God happening. Aren't we glad that God is alive and working today. You know, uh, I get excited when I think about the providence of God. I get excited when I read God's Word and I see places where people in the Bible got excited because of what God was doing. I think about the times when, when the Red Sea was parted and the children of Israel who thought that they were totally wiped out, suddenly had an avenue of escape and were able to walk across the Red Sea on dry land and then see Pharaoh's army coming after them and God let the water come in and drown them. There in Exodus chapter 14, you can read about that. But if you look over at Exodus chapter 15, Moses and the people are singing this wonderful song. They're, they're singing the praises of God and they're talking about all the things that God did. Isn't it wonderful when people recognize the power of God and then want to sing about Him and, and be in praise towards Him? If in Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter, well, you go back a little bit earlier and you can see the dedication of the temple. Solomon had a nice speech. Solomon had a long prayer, and then at the end of his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice that was on the altar. And it was such a powerful situation that the people fell down on their face. They worshiped God. They were praising God for all that He is. They were excited. Now certainly it's an exciting thing because the temple was built but it was an exciting thing because they saw the power of God in action and they wanted to worship God. Over in Nehemiah, in the first seven chapters, you 
see the building of the wall. And then in chapter 8, I think you start seeing the building of the people. They brought the book of the law out, and Ezra, they had built a podium for him. He was up above the people, and he was able to read the books of the law. When he started reading, the people stood up. They had people there that, with him, and they, they had, in essence, had a long Bible study there. Not only reading the Word, but explaining the Word. And when I look at the reaction of the people, the people when at the end where Ezra is praising God, they say, Amen, Amen. And they're praising God too, and they fall down to worship Him. And you can see in the context that what they heard from the Word of God was impacting how they were feeling. They were sorry for the things that they had done that were inconsistent with the Word. They were excited. Think about the people on the day of Pentecost and the great transition in emotion that they had. They went from being pricked in their heart because they had been told they had killed the Son of God to knowing that based on what Peter had said, they could repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. And we, when we get down towards the end of the chapter, we see that they are praising God and having fellowship, favor with one another. And you know, that's sort of what we ought to be doing. Because of our salvation, we ought to be praising God and having favor with one another. They were an excited people. When I think about excited people, I think about the man from Ethiopia in Acts chapter 8, when he said, see, here's water, what doth hinder me from being baptized? And Philip told him, if you believe, you may. And he made that great confession, went down into the water and was baptized. There at the end of that, it says he went on his way rejoicing. Isn't it wonderful that we've got all of these examples of people who get excited about the power of God? Well, you know, for the Boonville congregation, I believe that this is an exciting time. It's an exciting time because we can assemble back together. Wasn't it wonderful to be able to sing together? I appreciate Brother Chris uh, and his song selection going right along with our lesson today. This is an exciting time because we can be together and partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, this is an exciting time because we anticipate August the 5th when we'll start having Wednesday night classes. We may not have told you, but over in September, around September the 13th, I think that's the second Sunday in September, we're going to start our Sunday night service back. It'll be Bible class on Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Isn't that exciting? You know, uh, we've had time to think and to pray about the Boonville congregation and what it could be. And as we restart ourselves in this public assembly together, we can dream big. When you think about the last few months, we've had a period focused on capital improvement. Now it's time to focus on spiritual things. You may have seen in the worship bulletin the focus of our lesson today is welcoming our new preacher. 
and his wife into the fellowship of the Boonville congregation. Ken and Anita Forrest are with, with us. Well, they've moved in, but they're over in Coleman, Alabama. He had a, had a uh, wedding to do today. But we look forward to them being here. Uh, we're excited because the addition of this family will help us to be a congregation more pleasing to God, we believe. Now, why do we think that? Well, we know that Ken is mission-minded. And I think his resume had him going on about 19 different mission trips. And, and you know, the Boonville congregation has always been mission-minded, conducting uh, mission vacation Bible schools and mission gospel meetings all across the United States. Our work in Guyana, the work with Wayne Barrier, uh, the work in Mexico, the work in Central America, and him being mission-minded tells me he's going to fit right in with the Boonville congregation. And our research also tells us that he's true to the Bible and that he has the courage and conviction to preach the Word. And we believe his preaching style will be engaging causing us to study and learn and, and do God's will. For those of you that have interacted with them, you know that they're excited about being part of this congregation. And they want to do whatever they can do to partner with us as we all strive together to serve God. Well, I think when you think about what a preacher is supposed to do, we ought to go back to God's Word and and get some ideas about that. And I think there's quite a bit of insight into what Paul wrote to Timothy, Paul a preacher himself, and Timothy also a young preacher. And we can glean from that some of the things that Ken Forrest ought to be doing for us. For example, if you look at 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ that you judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you... Be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I would think with this congregation, most of the time when Ken will be preaching, he'll be preaching things that we're saying amen to and agreeing to. It'll be in season. We'll all be in, in line step with that. But there may be times when he has to get sort of stern. Tell us things that the Bible says that we may not be doing right. It may be out of season when things are not popular. But we believe that he is spiritually mature and that he will be strong enough to stand for the truth. If you go back to chapter 2, Paul told Timothy, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of hearers, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe 
he may be able to help us better understand God's Word. And we look forward to being in his Bible classes. Uh, In talking with him, I know he's got several theme series and seminars that, that I really believe will be helpful to us as a congregation. In verses 1 through 3 of 2 Timothy 2, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm really anticipating Ken Forrest to be a great preacher with great knowledge of God's Word. But what we really want is to take what he has and clone it into other people. What we need to have is to multiply ourselves and let us all be able to do the same thing. And and we certainly uh, are, are willing to listen and help and be receptive to that kind of teaching. We hope he'll help us to be more mission-minded. We hope he'll help us to be better teachers, better personal workers. Now, look, we're trying to do more than just welcome and please Ken Forrest. We want to be fellow workers, fellow laborers, as we all work together to serve the Lord. If you look at what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, through his work, we anticipate that he will help to better equip each of us. You know, we need to be prepared for good works. When you think about what Jesus wants in the Boonville congregation, he wants us as a congregation to be a a zealous people, a special people, zealous for good works, according to Titus 2, 14. Well, just look at, at Paul himself. Paul is a great preacher. And in his discussion with the elders from Ephesus, look at what he had to say. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept nothing back that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. And just like Paul kept nothing back from the people in Ephesus, We expect Ken to keep nothing back from us. We expect him to be all in in the work of the Lord's church here. I might point out that that Ken is not coming to be the pastor of the Moonville congregation. He's coming to be an evangelist. The preacher as a pastor, you know, is a denominational concept. However, we do believe that Ken is ready to work with the Boonville eldership so that there is one voice representing the eldership and being shared from the pulpit. Let me ask this, let's pose this question to us. What's, what's expected of us as a congregation as we partner with Ken and Anita 
in being the congregation God wants us to be. I, I think there is a good outline for this in 1 Peter, the first chapter. I'm going to have the, the uh, scriptures on the screen, but if you want to